HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. If your food media diet is fueled by HRN, become a monthly donor today. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Over the past year, we saw a lot of pivots from full service restaurants to delivery only or meal kits and nationwide shipping. But now things are opening up again. Yay. So what about the reverse? What about food businesses that have been operating in a digital space and are looking to go brick and mortar? Well, our guest today is doing just that. With two decades of professional culinary experience, Chef Sorbi Sani brings home cooking traditions to modern Indian cuisine and confections with Tagmo. Before launching Tagmo, Serbi served as a creative force behind Michelin-starred New York City restaurants Debbie and Tulsa and Sar Bistro in Midtown. So excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So tell, um, I was just saying to you before we started that I think it's so interesting that your business is basically the reverse of what everybody else has been doing for the past year. So you started in this digital online world. So tell our listeners a little bit about what Tagmo does and, and what you've been doing for the past couple of years. Um, well, thank you so much, first of all, for having me. Uh, I want to talk, uh, I'm going to reverse back a little bit because uh, the idea for the company started about 10 or 12 years back. Uh, and the initial point was uh, where I started a company called Bittersweet NYC, where in that company I was doing wedding cakes, mostly for Indian mm-hmm. weddings and desserts. And uh, at, at some juncture in, in time, I, a, f- a client who was also a friend asked me to do a box of sweets for them, which I did. And that's what started the line of doing these sweets and gift packaging. And so right before sort of COVID hit, I was I actually decided to close Bittersweet and start this company called Tagmo, uh, which means Tigris in Bhutanese. Um, and the idea was to do a gift packaging company that was mostly focusing on Indian confections and gift food gift products. Um, and then of course COVID hit, and like I wanted to keep my staff sort of employed. And I started doing home deliveries, but initially did a lot of um, donations and worked with a lot of um, mutual aid groups to kind of give food to health workers and also to distribute food to uh, smaller communities that didn't have as much food available at that time. 
And then within the group, we had a discussion and we said, why don't we try just to kind of create a little bit of business, uh, also try and do homestyle meals. That's something that I'd been wanting to do for years, frankly. Like I felt this great need that, you know, of course I had cooked in so many restaurants over the years and I know that the food in restaurants is amazing, but like nothing like when you cook at home. And so I really wanted to start cooking at home, uh, doing like, sorry, doing like more home style meals for uh, my clients. And that's what started the home delivery service where we were doing packaged meals that we were kind of delivering across the city to Connecticut, Queens, Brooklyn, New York. Um, and during that time, I also met um, two people that are now my business partners that had a store downtown, um, which was called Made Fresh Daily at that time. And they wanted to convert it into something else. They also own another sushi restaurant, which is like two doors down from the current location. And so me and Aditya, who was, who's my business partner right now, went to them and said, why don't we turn this space into an Indian space? Mm-hmm. Also, like downtown, there wasn't any Indian spaces. Right. They were like, yeah, that's a great idea. And of course, like I had my serious inhibitions. I was like, I don't know when people are going to come back into eating at in restaurants. But our we had two two things that we had in our mind. One was if you actually like really look at not just New York, but really even U.S., there's really no other South Asian sweets shop that's like a more upscale sweets shop the kind of things that we see in india quite frequently actually available so we saw that that there was this was an open market and we were going to go for doing mostly sweets so the store itself is going to have sweets uh in the front when you kind of walk in and then yes we're going to continue because we had these home style meals that we've done over the year And they've been so successful. People have, like, I get emails every week from guests that buy it from me about how amazing they are and how there was a need in the market for someone to kind of start really actually cooking homestyle food. And we're not just, like, doing the same menu every week. We're focusing on different regions. We are getting the community sort of involved, whether that is women chef or the square chefs so that we start start building a platform that's not just talking about the sweets, but also talking about Indian food in general. And what is it that Indians today are eating? So uh, some of the influences that we've also included are Anglo-Indian food, or we also have done, um, uh, 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 one of the weeks we did Sindhi food, which is more from the Pakistan region. So the idea is to really talk about South Asian food and how that's influencing and how it is today. That's, I mean, that's amazing. So it sounds like you were already set up doing your sweets and then you added in this, this meal kit delivery program pretty quickly. So how, how did, were you already shipping your sweets nationwide when the pandemic started? I was already shipping nationwide. Like I had been doing it for like, I would say about six to seven years But I have to say the one thing that did happen in pandemic is like, I would say my business quadrupled last year in terms of shipment. And was that home cooks who, how did they discover you? Like what was the impetus for? Uh, I I think a big, 
I think a big part of it was like we had an article come out in the New York Times uh, about right before Diwali hit, which is our biggest, um, uh, you know, our biggest festival. And that's when we sell the most product. And uh, we had a we were mentioned in a New York Times article about these sweets that we're making. Mm-hmm. And that really impacted our sales for sure. But mm-hmm. I think also overall, maybe people had more time to look for yeah. companies, right? <laughs> like maybe like the sweet short store shops were not generally open. And like, we've been really truly been blessed, you know, people that have like ordered our product have come out and like given us shout outs, have like shared um, information about them, about us with their friends and family. And so it's been, it's, it's been a slow organic growth, even, mm-hmm. even though like it, it quadrupled, it was like more, like people telling other people about our company. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, like we had like almost two weeks or two two to three weeks of a delivery that we had done, especially for the sweets last year. So mm-hmm. it was like once people, one person received the box and he wanted to send 10 others. Right, right. They're like, oh my God, this is so that's how business. Yeah, that's how friends. business should work, right? Like, Yes, that is a, what you want. Yes, yeah. that is true brand ambassador and true, you know, that's, that's what yeah. you want. The true organic yeah. spread. Um, and then, so tell me how did, so when you started the meal delivery system, um, that's obviously very different than like shipping boxes that people are ordering online. It's obviously, those are two different businesses, right? So you're, you know, you have your sweets business that is growing organically, um, shout outs in the New York times, by the way, the New York times always moves the needle. It's really like the only publication just from our personal business that I've ever seen just like immediately move the needle. So that's a really big deal. Yes, Yes, absolutely. Always moves the needle New York times. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations on, on being featured there. That's a big deal. Um, but so, so tell me a little bit, how did you, who were the customers for the delivery service and how did you set up, you know, logistically you're like, okay, I'm shipping, but now I have to, you know, deliver maybe by car, however, to this tri-state area. Tell, tell us a little bit about how, how that business setup went for you. So, yeah, I think that's a great question. Like these, both of these businesses are totally two different businesses. One is more shipping and one is more delivery service. I think it happened very organically, like shipments I had been doing already for many years. So I had a sort of an idea, but certainly like we, um, this was the first year we actually set up our website and we uh, worked, we're, we're working currently on Squarespace and we connected ourselves to a ship station. So these are all new things that I kind of introduced into the company that I wasn't doing before this. Uh, the other, uh, for and in terms of the delivery thing, that the other thing that was happening is that we also uh, uh, were working, I was working in conjunction um, in, in a catering space, and they actually uh, were, and I was helping them also do this other project, which was delivering meals to the elderlies. And so we were doing close to about 20,000 meals in the wow. space where I was cooking as well, supporting them through their own project. So we're sister companies. We just both support each other. And so because of that, uh, I did have people that were already working in the company that were our delivery people for the other business. And so I was able to kind of quickly pull them into doing meal deliveries for my meals as well. And so that worked out for a big advantage because I'm actually based in Yonkers. Like the main, my main kitchen is in mm-hmm. Yonkers and that's pretty far, especially like if you think about how long it takes from 
Yonkers to Brooklyn. It's really like quite a big. Um, the the other advantageous thing for delivery uh, at that time was that there was no traffic. No mm-hmm. one was out. Like I can't tell you. Like I, we still like in, when we talked like Rene and me and other people that were delivering or like helping the deliveries and doing all of these things at that time. Uh, we say we like as much as happy as we are that everything is opening up. Like the traffic was very different back then. <laughs> it, felt, it felt like it was non-existent. There was literally there were days there was nobody on the road. Yeah, right. For our listeners who are not in New York City, it, like the smog was gone and there was no traffic, which is like unheard of or unseen in New York City. It's, you it's could so see stars true. in the night. Yeah, did, did you do crazy. that? Like it was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I, had, I, I mean, we were go- going from Yonkers to Brooklyn in like 25 to 30 minutes. Like that's unheard of. Right. It's probably an hour and 20 minutes from now. It's like you, you can't. Easily. Yeah. The, yeah, the BQE, it's like you can't you can't just go anywhere in less than an hour. Um, so logistically, those were the two logical things that like really helped. But then right. also like I feel the support for the business on the, both of those end was very different. One's an online business, which was working more through social media. It was more working through people receiving the boxes. The other part of the business that was there, I have actually been cooking in the city for close to about 20, 22 years. And so all the clients, a majority of the clients, 80% of the clients were clients that I have worked with. I've either done their weddings or their bar mitzvahs, or I've done their friend's wedding. And everyone kind of the first time that they received, I was so shocked. Like the first newsletter that went out and our first delivery was for 40 orders. Wow. I never thought like we could do that. That's, I mean, that's amazing. It means your community, you know, obviously really loves what you, what you do and and you're cooking. And so how are you continuing to do the meal kits and the deliveries or are you scaling that back now that things are reopening and traffic has uh, returned and is unrelenting? I I don't know. Like we're in in quandary right now about it. Mm -hmm. It certainly is impacting our business. Um, I, I, we're, but because we also started, the other thing that we started was that we started freezing and shipping some of our meals. Uh-huh. So like we are currently shipping to Dallas, California, and uh, Boston quite a bit. Because wow. uh, we have friends or customers that uh, are buying it from there. And so we're hoping for at least for some time to continue on. But then I'm sure like once the restaurant is open, we might have a week or so slag in between just to kind of get used to getting that one operation up and running and then catch up with everything else. And right now, where are you producing everything? Are you, you're producing and shipping and delivering from, you said, uh, is it like a commissary kitchen? Yeah. Yeah, From a commissary kitchen in Yonkers. It's a, is a shared space? Shared space. Yes. And you said they helped with. Do you want to shout them out because it's not that for maybe? Yes, it was first. It's it's a shared space with Sark uh, Catering now called the Same Matur Catering, and of course we're very grateful for all the support that they have given us in this coming year, this past one and a half years, because we couldn't have done it without them for sure. And you guys were sharing the same delivery drivers, or were you doing most of the delivery for some time? For some time, yeah. only in the beginning, like for the first two or three months, 
And then like mm-hmm. as uh, everything started opening up, like our operations right now are completely separate. We also still do like events together. You know, we, we, uh, we support each other's business uh, uh, in whichever way we can. Right. Mm-hmm. So now, um, so now demand is there and you are shipping your, your sweets and you have your meal kits and, um, or your meal deliveries, excuse me. And so you met, so you mentioned you met during the pandemic, your business partners for your brick and mortar space. So tell yes. us a little bit about how you met them and where you are right now in the process. So, uh, my first business partner, uh, is Aditya Malotra, who I met, uh, before the pandemic, because we were already in the midst of like doing this business. And uh, I met him uh, through actually doing, he had reached out, someone had reached out and said that there was a family looking for someone to do home cooked meals for them. And I was for about three years or four years back thinking and contemplating like what space do I want to be in and I was contemplating the kind of business I want to be doing. And a big part of me wanted to do food that was more familiar to me, food that was closer to my heart. And like, of course, like, I mean, restaurant food that I had done was amazing and evolved and like was just such has been such an exciting journey for me. But I truly wanted to explore a different side of my life. And things that I kind of grew up with on a daily basis. And so like when I heard that there was a family looking, I was like, yeah, I want to try it and see if this works. And so I I was already doing this for Adi uh, uh, at that time. And uh, we kind of met and I actually also pitched him the idea of sweets. And I said, listen, I'm doing this part time right now to just kind of try some new things out. But like truly my business idea is to... Uh, do the sweets and that's when he invested into the company uh, and then I met uh, the two new business partners Renee and Victor um, through Adi uh, Adi's friends with Victor and uh, and that's how we kind of all kind of got, got together the four of us as a group and now are trying to open a space uh, in downtown Manhattan together so, and so tell us a little bit about the space. So it's, it's in South street seaport and it sounds like it was already a restaurant before you, you all took it over. Yes. So it was a space that was, uh, that's, it's a space that's in South, in South street seaport. It was, a it was called made fresh jelly. It was like a sandwiches sort of a space. And I remember walking into the space the first time and, you know how you have places that you see, you're like, oh my God, this place is so beautiful. Like, love the energy of the space. I want to be in this space on a daily basis. It doesn't happen all the time, you know? And I remember walking into that space and saying, oh my God, I love this space. And honestly, I was like, when I, before, like I had told Adi, like, I don't want to open a storefront because I had opened so many restaurants in my life. And I knew how the pandemic was kind of working out. And I was like, I don't know if I really want to be opening another restaurant space, but I truly think like it was sort of, I don't know if you want to call it karmic or if you want to call it like, I really connected with the location um, that I was like, yeah, I want to open a place here. And, uh, you know, the place itself is going to have in the front is going to have like a sweet shop where we're going to have sweets and like some, the Indians are also known for their snack food, uh, which is 
more than just chips. It's like called namkeen, which has different things like, you know, we would do like masala nuts in there. We would do like things like chakli that is made with lentil flour. We would do like mati that is like a whole wheat crack, whole wheat flour cracker. And things that we kind of grew up eating, like that were like, you know, like in India, we we would go to the corner sweet shop and like he would have all of these things and you would buy it from, from him. So I want to kind of create that experience, but also like those sweet shops sometimes would have a small eating section where they did like, mostly they did like food, like that was more like small bite size, like more snacky food where you would get things like samosa and papri chaat and like, like aloo tiki. So I'm doing a version of that. I'm like, but I, because I, I want to do homes, homes, home style food or home food. So I'm going to stay within the same sort of um, focus and do foods like uh, do like small plates that if you came to my house, what is it that I would serve to you? And Mm -hmm. that's the sort of direction I'm kind of going with the meals that are available at the restaurant. And then we will continue with the idea of changing like four or five dishes on a bi-weekly or weekly basis Uh, where we would focus on either on um, different regions, like really talk about what, what's the, what's the strength of that region? Why is this dish sort of different? And also continue our collaboration with other women chefs or other food writers from the Indian diaspora or from the Caribbean diaspora. Like for example, next, next month, we are focusing on a Caribbean chef. Raman Ganesh Raman and like talking about the experience of Indians moving to Trinidad and what has that done mm-hmm. and like how does their food change and evolve so we're going to continue on that on with that because I think that's a unique thing that we're doing that no other restaurant and that's Indian is doing right now that is true there's a lot of there's a lot of Indian people who live in the Caribbean and I think you don't hear about it or hear how that's influenced their food and what they and what people eat and, and making Correct. that known to Americans. It's a super interesting angle. And for the, and the rest, and I can understand why you would fall in love with like a space on French street. So for our listeners, you're not based in New York and haven't been in Seaport. French street is this like, it's like a, it looks like a piece of time. It's right. It's like a little right. time capsule. It, it is. Cobble, yeah. So cobblestone cobble street. street. Oh my God. <laughs> so beautiful. And like you walk down and like, you can just literally see the entire Manhattan behind you. You're like, I feel like this is why, like, I came to the U.S., like, whatever, Mm -hmm. 20-something years ago when you stand there. And the funny thing is, before I forget, so about 20 years back, I started, uh, my first job was at Between the Bread, a small catering company. And Mm -hmm. after that, my my second job was at a place called Table Tales. It was a women-owned company by Grace. And she, she turned into my mentor for a very long time. And literally her store is around the corner. I mean, it's no longer there, uh, uh, but because of hurricane, but like her store is around the corner. So for me, it was even more important. I'm like, wow, life goes a full circle here. I am 20 years later, like opening a store, not far from my mentor. Mm-hmm. It's full circle. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, how it all comes full circle like that. So, so it was already a restaurant and where, where are you guys in the building process? When do you think you'll get open? And has there been any major surprises during this, this opening process? So a lot of surprises and a lot of changes. 
Um, but uh, we are almost as of done. We actually started the process last year. So it has taken us a very long time to even get the buildings permit and like all of those things kind of done and uh, get them ready and up and running. Um, so currently we're hoping that, what are we on July 27th? So maybe somewhere mid-August, early September, we should be open. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I'm not Jenny. You know how like restaurants are. <laughs> I mean, it's still pretty. <laughs> I know. It's. I mean, if you open within three months of when you thought you would, you're on time. I think. There you go. Yes. Purposes. That's that's the benchmark <laughs> and the goalpost. Yes. Um, I, I think. I mean, I love it. And was the did this restaurant closed? The previous version closed before COVID. I assume. So is it? Is there like a lot? It of was still operating it? like on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, they have a lot of loyalty in the loyal clientele in the neighborhood, and like I think that's one of our strengths is because um, my business partners own another restaurant around the corner. So mm-hmm. they know the community, and uh, they've been around there for about close to 18 something years now. So it's not like a new restaurant that just opened. And like that kind of creates a sort of sense of like local following um, that people are really in the community are excited that we're doing this venture. And that's what we want. We want people that are living, that are our neighbors to come out and support us more than anything. Of yeah, course, and also sure. the tourists and also, also like we want to be a destination spot, like the go-to Indian restaurant in New York City. I love that. And I mean, there's nothing like that down where you are going. So I think that's a, it's a perfect spot. Are you going to deliver to the Lower East Side? Cause that's where my office is. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and then yes. So once, once you open the new space, are you, um, will you be shifting? Will you let go of the commissary kitchen and everything will be done out of this space or will you need to do both? No, we're going to continue with the commissary space because I, uh, my kitchen is on the small side. And uh, even after waiting for all of this permits and stuff like that, we, we don't have a, we're not a gas kitchen, we're an electric kitchen. So I will need a support system, some, some sort uh, on the back end, but we're going to continue doing some part of the suites from the commissary kitchen. From the commissary. Cool. It's, so a lot of, it's a bigger, it's a bigger project. You know what I mean? Like it's, it can't be endured for a small, from a small location. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds, I was, I was curious how you were planning to, you know, so I guess that leads into my next question. So how are you planning to sort of resource both of them now? Your time will be split. How, what, what is that going to look like for you? Well, I'm hoping that I'm going to find a head chef that is going to help me operate this location because I certainly cannot be in both the places. Um, and I've done the concept, I have done concepts like this before where, uh, some basic sauces or certain things are being made in a, in a larger space and then either it's transported or frozen and transported and stuff like that. And then, uh, or, and then of course, like a lot of the other stuff as much as possible will be made in the location itself. Also the thing for me, I kind of focus on very simple uh, foods, right? Like in the simple in the sense that I feel um, a lot of the times people have this view that Indian food is really complicated and multi-layered and like, and it is all of those things, but there, there's a way, there are dishes that are very simple and equally delicious that don't require that many 
you know, it, it's not actually, it, it, it doesn't require that many spices or that many things. And so the idea when you start doing the more, for me, the food that is more familiar to me, more close to my heart is food that I kind of cook on a daily basis. And that's what I want to bring to the table over there. Um, and I think that I should be able to do that even if I have two locations. It's just a matter of finding the right balance and the right menu. Yeah. I mean, and it, obviously lots of people scale businesses. So, um, you know, it's not it's not a unique problem to have to find the right people and, and figure yes. it out. Yes. Um, and just speaking of your people, you know, when I was looking at your website and your bio and and hearing about, you know, your experience. And I, I know that hiring, um, you know, women of color and, um, and queer folks has been really important to your business and, and at the forefront. So tell me a little bit about how you use this practice as you expand your team and, and any advice for other smaller food businesses that are looking to recruit a more diverse and equitable and inclusive workforce. So for me, uh, uh, I uh, I start reaching out to, uh, personally, I start reaching out to women-based organizations because uh, I feel like that's a skill set that's very unique, especially for the South Asian community. Women are amazing chefs. And I feel the way women cook South Asian food is, is very different from the way men cook South Asian food. Um, so for me, that's an easy way of like reaching out and finding the community or membership that might be interested. So we would reach out to certain organizations like Saki and Sapna that we have both of the organizations that we've worked with before and see if they have members that might be interested in working with us. We do the same for uh, for like also for Kweshas, like really truly like looking at different websites that have like women at, on their forefront. One of them is uh, equity for all. Am I right, uh, Jenny? Am I saying the right one? Equity for all. It sounds familiar. Yeah. And why am I? I'm not remembering the correct one. I think that's what it's called. Uh, and you can go on it and there are women in every industry that you can find. And so that's a great way of like reaching out to, the community, whether that's queer community or women community, you really have to like put your, you know, um, you really have to do have to go a little bit out of your way to find them. But there are certainly uh, uh, people that you can find that will come out and support you. And, you know, honestly, at the end of it, like, you know, like any business, I feel like even in food business, anyone that you employ should be wanting to be part of your family and would you should feel like you both can work with each other on the long run, you know, and it's all about like building that relationship with the person, making them feel like you want them to be there because that's the only way that you can grow a business. Not you yourself cannot just do everything. It's not possible. Like I've not, I would not be able to do everything that I do if I didn't have a great band that wagon of, um, of people right behind me, supporting me and being there for me and actually showing up and like, you know, they do what they do really well. And I'm very grateful for it. And, you know, I hope I answered the question. No, that was perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's all about, it's all about having people who are enthusiastic about your business and believe in the vision and, and, mm -hmm. you know, forming, forming a good relationship 
100% agree. And um, also, like, making them feel, like, you know, like, I think, like, sometimes, like, also, like, you know, not holding on to too much power, giving them the power to make certain decisions and, like, making them feel like they are, for me, not, it's not that I'm making them feel, they are really important for me. And, like, that's a feeling that they get when they come and talk to me and then they're part of, like, my workflows for force on a daily basis. And I'm actually truly, really grateful that they are there with me, really yeah, for sure. I mean, the amount of things I've learned from our team members, it's it's so funny. It's like you think right. being a boss is telling people what to do. It's not. It's yeah. like having this collaborative relationship where you really learn from each other. And mm-hmm. like the amount of things I've learned from our team is just like unbelievable. I never stop learning from them. Yeah. Um, so totally agree. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. You may have noticed that we have a whole new look. We also launched a new website that's going to make your listening easier and more enjoyable than ever before. HRN is the original food podcast network. And as we enter a new chapter in our 12-year history, I want to ask you to invest in HRN for the long haul. If you rely on this show to fuel your food media diet, become a monthly sustaining member today. Our members keep the voice of America's food movement alive and kicking. Your donations support this podcast along with 40 other shows on Heritage Radio Network. Your contribution helps give HRN the security we need to stay on the airwaves throughout the pandemic, and your continued support is allowing us to reopen our studio. Plus, we like to give our regular members special treatment. So sign up to become a monthly donor and get access to our secret menu. We've gathered together exclusive discounts and offers from some of your favorite food and beverage brands. So you get to enjoy insider pricing on goods that will ship right to your door. Join our community of monthly donors and special deals will come your way throughout the summer. So can you make a gift of five or $10 a month? It'll show me and our whole team at HRN how much this podcast and food radio in general means to you. Become a monthly sustaining member today at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Cool. Let's, um, we like to do a little lightning round. So sort of, um, we basically ask the same people, all of these questions, every, um, every show and they're meant to be, you know, pretty quick little answer. So let's kick it off with what's your favorite, we usually say menu item, but it could be what's your favorite, you know, sweet or what's your favorite, um, favorite meal that you meal delivery that you've done recently. Okay. Those are not that difficult. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, they are, well, with my sweets, I feel a little bit scared because I feel like as if almost my sweets can hear me and they are all my favorite child. <laughs> I know it's a little unfair of a question. It's I get a little it. unfair, but I, I think of the ones that I have just, uh, you know, uh, you know, of course I'm always developing new sweets and new products of the one that I recently developed uh, for the holidays was a, a salty pecan burfi. And it was really unusual because I, I'm, I don't know if I have the time to kind of get on to the history of it, but uh, 
I have a friend who used to make these salty pecans, um, Shuna Fish Guide, and I don't know if she's hearing this, but, uh, and like, I reached out to them and I was like, I want to make this sweet. And she was like, why don't you make it? Why don't you, I think she gave me a couple of ideas to, it's like, wow, like I'm going to take my caramel burfi and I'm going to take this pecan idea and pull it together. And it's brilliant sweet. I love that sweet. In terms of food, um, so two delivery services um, right off the bat uh, pop into my head. One was uh, last week I made a champaran chicken, which I swear I'm like still drooling over it. And I'm hoping that it was in my fridge right now. It's the small, and it was a very simple dish where, and unlike, you know, Indian food is all about building flavors, about you add your onions, you add your spices, you add like your tomatoes, you add like, you know, like you just build one thing over the other. This was a very different recipe where you basically throw all the ingredients together in a pot, put it on a very small, slow flame, let it smoke for a few minutes, and then let 45 minutes your chicken curry is ready. It was spectacular. It was like an amazing, amazing dish to make. And it was very new for me to go in that direction to kind of create that sort of a smoky space some smoky like sort of chicken the other one was of sindhi cuisine that i just did uh, was an entire meal which was done in collaboration with barka kartos where we explored the idea of sindhi food which is uh, more in pakistan uh, also because like my grandparents were from pakistan uh, and i wanted to see what would that food be like if they were alive or if i would have ever eaten my grandmother's cooking which i unfortunately didn't so I made a few dishes like sindhi curry and sai bhaji and like we did like masala stuff, pindi, which was just so amazing and unusual. And it was really fun to collaborate also with Barkha, who's very loving and like has turned into a great friend. So I, those two like kind of popped to me right away. Mm-hmm. Sounds amazing. And now I'm hungry. I didn't eat lunch yet. So <laughs> it's like almost three o'clock. Um, and tell me, what is your most ordered menu item or delivery item? Oh my God, I don't think that is there really because I feel like because we change our menus on a daily, on a weekly basis and because we've truly, except for maybe a few dishes, we really have, I mean, we're now hitting our 60th week. Oh my God. And like, yeah, we're hitting our 60th week very soon. Like I think for Independence Day that week, the, whatever the Indian Independence Day is the 60th week or right before that. So we have not repeated most of our dishes. It's a tough one. Like I think people order because they enjoy our food and they like, they keep coming back because it's so good. They just want to keep right. Yeah. It doesn't matter what's on the menu. They just have trust and faith. That's awesome. Yeah. It's also like, I think like what the strength of it is that like I've had people reach out to me and say like, especially during the COVID time where they were not able to travel or go anywhere. I've had people reach out to me and say like, oh my God, you've taken us on a journey through India, which is unusual to kind of see, like, especially like, because, you know, like you do go to, you can go to an Indian restaurant where they serve just Andhra food or they just serve like uh, Kashmiri food or they just serve like Kerala food. Certainly those exist. Right. But to have one company kind of create this and like, week by week kind of talk about the differences in the cuisine and like create these dishes and like really keep it very home style is very unusual. Mm-hmm. 
I'm subscribing. I'm like, I want to, I want the journey through <laughs> India. <right? laughs> um, what has been your best business resource as you've built your business over the years? Best business resource. Could be a person, a podcast, a book. I think uh, my uh, director for communications has been an amazing, uh, Leah Kurtz, I'm going to do a shout out for them, has been an amazing resource for me and have like really brought me, helped me bring the vision of what I'm thinking come together. And of course, my business partners, right? Like they've been there and supported me through this. Um, and uh, uh, Leah also because, you know, they are able to, see through what is it that I'm envisioning, whether it is, what is it that I actually want to say, but also like right now we're going through the experience of rebranding and like we're creating a new visual, we're creating new design for the front, like all of those things that are so important. They've been such an important part of like, they've been there with me even when no one else was there. So I think they've been very important that way. And my business partners, Adi, for like kind of believing in me and like, you know, just investing in me more than anything else when I was just like, I didn't know what was going to happen, especially when COVID hit, uh, hit us. Um, oh my God, now I'm thinking there are so many. My my partner, Piali, uh, I've had uh, a business coach, Rebecca Maxwell, that's been very supportive and helpful in helping me strategize and like really think through to break out my business into smaller compartment because I can be such a larger vision person sometimes that like really breaking it down into smaller compartment gets uh, a little bit difficult. Regina, who's my assistant, I'm going to keep going. Anu, who's doing my marketing. <laughs> I'm one of those, like, you know, like those, uh, what are those awards, Grammy Awards? The Oscar speech, right, where they're like. <laughs> Start pulling my mic from me. So everybody, Seema, who cooks with me on a daily basis, Lubna, who used to be there, who I miss. Uh, it's just so many, everybody. Really. Yeah, your team. Yeah. My team, and yes. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, the other thing we like to do on the show before we wrap up is to shout out any opening soon announcements. So I know your business is hopefully coming in August. Um, yes. And are there any other friends or colleagues or, um, or businesses you want to shout out for opening or coming soon or reopening maybe recently? So I think like two uh, two businesses that are more online on the online platform because uh, truly I, my business belongs on both flat platforms online as well as storefront. Uh, so two businesses that I'm excited to collaborate with and I think uh, are amazing. One is Madhu Chocolates that is doing uh, uh, their products with spices. The other one is um, uh, Such Paneer, which is one of the first sort of paneer companies to launch uh, nationwide and are doing a fabulous job with their paneer. And so is Madhu Chocolates, delicious, amazing uh, chocolates. And I'm hoping to kind of collaborate and do some work with them as well. Uh, and then there is a store um, uh, opening, uh, which is going to like uh, focus on chai called the Chai Box. And then there is um, another company called Donna that I think um, are my few companies that I would mention right here. Awesome. We'll definitely check all of those out. Um, so tell everybody where we can find you um, on social and where, where and what the address is of the physical store and your and your website too. 
Sure. Uh, so if you were looking for our website, we're on tagmotreats.com. Social media handles are also tagmotreats. If you want to follow me, it's Sahani Serbi. If you want to um, uh, get any food or anything from us, everything is and currently the sweets as well as um, the food are all available on the website tagmotreats.com. And the store is going to be 226 Front Street, New York, New York. And I'll be so excited if you come and tell me you heard this podcast and you wanted to come and try. I promise you a couple of free sweets because you heard this podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jenny. I love it. Free sweets for listening. Yes. Yes. Um, That is, this is a first. That is an opening soon first. So (laughs) listeners, here's your payback. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. (laughs) I'll tell you like an Indian tradition the first thing that you serve when your guests come home is sweets. So I, I can like, not let go for them to listen to me, listening to me talk uh, about my life and about what I'm doing. And I'd be so excited if, if everyone stops it. And Jenny, I know you are going to, definitely. I'm coming. I'm coming for lunch all the time as soon as you're open on French Street. Done and um, done. Done and done. And I like that. Like one of my life mottos is eat dessert first. So yeah, we're kindred spirits there. (laughs) Um, You guys can follow us at Tillit NYC or at We Are Opening Soon on the gram. And you can um, check out recaps of all of our episodes on our website at TillitNYC.com. Serby, it was such a pleasure chatting with you. Congrats on the upcoming opening and can't wait to meet you in real life. Same here. I look forward to it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.